Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A desire to bring the truth to the forefront and a refusal to back down. The Roy Green Show continues. And it's not exactly the best day as far as weather's concerned in uh, southern Ontario. It is lousy. It's awful. It'd be a lousy day if it were mid-January. It would be a terrible day. Uh, it's warming up a little bit, a degree here or there, but we've had one heck of a time with the freezing rainstorm, and it's, it's, just a, it's just a mess. Now, later on in the hour, we're going to be speaking with... Lauren McNabb from Global National Global News in uh, in uh, in Winnipeg, and Lauren uh, tried to get to the Winnipeg Jets playoff game in uh, Minneapolis last night, and they ran into some uh, horrible weather situations as well. It's it, you know when you're on the road, you're trying to get somewhere. It it ain't and it's not it ain't happening. They I think they canceled some 200 flights in uh, in Minneapolis. We'll talk to Lauren at the end of the program about. What she experienced. This is uh, this is April. It's springtime. It's the middle of April. What are we doing with January weather? I just had to get that off my chest. Of course, I'm the smart guy who on Thursday traded in uh, a four-wheel drive vehicle with winter tires for a two-wheel drive vehicle with summer tires. And getting to the radio station was... Marginally entertaining for people watching me, I guess. I have a lot of time for my uh, for my guests now. I, I I've only just gotten a norm um, or the last number of months. Tom Quiggin is a nationally certified court expert on terrorism and security in this country, a civil and a federal court, a criminal and federal court. He uh, has advised and worked with the RCMP, the Canadian Armed Forces. The United Nations, he was active on the war crimes file concerning battles in the former Yugoslavia, and he's the uh, author of Submission, The Danger of Political Islam to Canada. And uh, Mr. Quiggan has, uh, publishes the Quiggan Report. And so what happened, Tom? What happened to you and YouTube? Because you were doing something on freedom of expression, freedom of speech. That was going to be your focus, and somehow... It didn't pass muster. What's going on? Can we did the show, up? and yes, your the Quiggin Report is a podcast. We were going to be looking at, in fact, we are looking at issues of free speech, and particularly how they relate to issues of national security, intelligence, terrorism, extremism, and international relations. Um, when we were starting this project in February, we decided to put a trailer on YouTube, just announcing this is what the Quiggin Report will be about and it was 44 seconds long. Uh, it was there for about four or five days, and then it was banned. So when we questioned YouTube and said, hey, why did, you, why did you ban us? We also discovered that at the same time, we lost our Gmail, because Google and YouTube, of course, are owned by the same company, Alphabet. 
So we lost uh, our Gmail, we lost our YouTube, and when we questioned them, they initially came back with a form letter and just said, you don't meet community standards. So we went back again and appealed and said, well, what's wrong? Like, what is it we're not meeting with your community standards? And the, the answer we got is, now you're banned for life. So Before asking the question. As far as we can tell, yeah. So basically, you think what we did, we may have tripped an algorithm uh, initially, because we do have the words free speech in there, as well as national security, intelligence, and terrorism, which, you know, obviously sort of to many people puts you down as being a conservative of some sort. Um, and then the fact that we pushed it, we figure probably put them over the edge, um, and we lost it. Now, a word of warning to your uh your listeners here, Roy, if you get in trouble with YouTube and they decide to ban you or close you down, they will also tell Google about it. And if you have a Gmail account, you can lose that as well. Uh, in our case, we'd had the Gmail account for two weeks, so we didn't really care. But if you've had a Gmail account for five years or eight years or up to 10 years, you can lose that, everything that's on it, and you also lose Google Drive. So people that use Google Drive, you can use lose that as well. So this is kind of a serious issue, right? So it's coming out of nowhere. It's being uh, directed by who knows. And uh, as you say, you probably tripped an algorithm, and now you're the one who's going to pay for this, and you've been banned from YouTube for life. Essentially, that's, uh, that's what we see. Um, we think there's like two separate problems behind the problems here. One is policy. Uh, YouTube has like platform-stated rules about things you can't have on there. And some of it's quite reasonable. They don't want child porn on there. They don't want people grooming children. They don't want death threats and that kind of stuff. So that's understandable. But the problem they've had is a very, they've done a very sloppy and confusing job of executing their own algorithms. They seem overly broad, they seem ineffective, and they seem to hit groups for no particular reason. But here's the issue, Roy. The, the problem behind the problem is there is a perception by many people, me included, and there's a lot of evidence to show this, that YouTube is more involved in censorship than they are in moderation. Because the groups they seem to disproportionately hit and ban tend to be those with conservative views. Now, interestingly, if you were to go onto YouTube right now and type in Yusef Karadawi, you would get a ton of videos by this guy. He's the chief cleric of the Muslim Brotherhood. He advocates the most horrific violence against women and says they enjoy being beaten. He advocates the killing of Jews, the killing of apostates. He justifies suicide bombers and everything else, but yet he's still on there. So there's this increasing perception that YouTube and the other large tech companies are increasingly, as I said, less involved with more moderation and more involved with censorship. I read something uh, last night. Uh, it was one of those nights, you know, some nights you just can't sleep. So I woke up at 2 o'clock. I tried until 5 o'clock to get to sleep. It just wasn't going to happen. So I got my phone, and I just started to just go on Twitter and, and check out some, some, uh, some websites and some stories, not knowing whether I'd find something that would be good for today. And I came across Ben Shapiro, the conservative um, thinker and, uh, and speaker and writer in the United States. And there have been riots when Ben Shapiro has gone to speak, and he, he revs people up, and he's, but he's exercising freedom of speech, which in the United States is a one of the most, well, it's the First Amendment. So there's uh, very little else, that's, or very little that's more significant to the Americans than freedom of speech. And he tweeted about the numbers of conservatives, or somebody on his Twitter account tweeted about the numbers of conservatives who've been shut down recently. 
And I started to look around, and uh, essentially what I found a couple of times was, these aren't the exact words, but it was essentially not available, not available, can't find it, not available, check back later, not available. Yes, well, I think if you go back and look, because we did the same thing, uh, I think we had the unfortunate bit of timing that we started to advertise for our new podcast in late February for a launch in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our timing was a bit bad. I think YouTube had just changed their algorithms, and they wiped out large numbers of people, and one of whom may, one of whom may have been that woman that went back and shot up uh, the YouTube uh, headquarters in California. Right. Uh, not just her, but lots of other folks suddenly realized that they had large followerships only to watch them drop precipitously. I heard no that as well. Reason. I heard that as well. But you're a, you're an internationally accredited person. You're somebody who people know about. You've worked with the United Nations. You've worked with the RCMP. You've worked with uh, the Bank of Canada. You've done uh, work on the on uh, war crimes uh, investigations. So what makes you, or do they not care? Was it to, did Tom Quiggin's name? Quicken report did the quick did Tom Quicken's name never really play into their decision? Do you think? I don't think it was my name by itself. I think it was the subject matter and freedom of not, expression, freedom, yeah, free speech, freedom of expression. These days, used in the context of national security or intelligence or terrorism or extremism, is regarded by some people as hate speech. Now, if you even talk about these issues there's something wrong with you. And if you look where these large tech companies are located, and most of them are in Southern California, and if you look at their leadership, uh, YouTube in particular, uh, most of them tend to have senior executives who have incredibly strong, shall we say, social justice warrior credentials. Mm -hmm. And this is leading us to an interesting situation as these companies get so large. So, for instance, we saw Facebook this week and Mark Zuckerberg testifying in Washington, which was, I think, pretty embarrassing for all concerned. But there's some interesting issues to be raised here. And the fact is these companies are getting incredibly large and incredibly powerful, and they're private companies. So on one hand, it's a private company. Uh, You're not paying for the service, so perhaps they have a right to do whatever they want, including banning whoever. But... The flip side of that argument is because Facebook is so powerful, because Twitter is so powerful, uh, that they are in fact becoming common carriers. So there may be a change in the law, and this is what some people, including myself, are starting to argue, is that they should be made into common carriers. So for instance, Bell Canada cannot cancel my cell phone because they don't like the fact I'm talking to Roy Green. Neither can Shaw, neither can Rogers, because they're common carriers. Air Canada cannot cancel a ticket on me tomorrow because they say, hey, you were on the Roy Green show and you said something bad about Air Canada, so we're canceling your ticket. By law, they're not allowed to do that. So one of the, the hopes for the future to help build strength back into the free speech movement would be that the governments will look at these corporations and say, hey, you guys have to become common carriers. You have the right to restrict certain behaviors. So, for instance, Bell Canada can cancel your phone if you don't pay for it. Um, Air Canada can cancel your ticket if you get drunk and try and punch out the pilot. Uh, But the restrictions put on them are actually quite strong. So hopefully that's where this will lead. But at the moment, I'm not very hopeful. We'll see see what transpires. Uh, Tom, hold on. I want to come back and talk some more with you. Uh, Tom Quiggin, uh, the Quiggin Report. 
has been banned by YouTube, and uh, Tom's book is Submission, um, the, uh, the Danger of Political Islam to Canada. That's one of his books. He's written uh, quite a few books. As I've said, worked with the uh, RCMP, the Canadian Armed Forces, the United Nations, was active in the war crimes file uh, concerning the battles in the former Yugoslavia. He's a nationally certified court expert on terrorism and security issues. So why would he be banned? And what's the message for the rest of us? What's the message for freedom of speech or freedom of expression, as it's called in Canada? A few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, there was a, a, a case that was brought before, I think it was an Ontario Human Rights Tribunal. I think it was in the province of Ontario. And it had to do with freedom of expression. And uh, the investigator for, for, the, um, for the tribunal testified. I, I, I think I'm very close to what he said. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm, I'm very close to what he said. He testified that freedom of speech, i.e. freedom of expression, does not exist in Canada, that it's an American concept. So here you have a human rights tribunal investigator testifying that freedom of expression is an American concept, doesn't exist in Canada, when in fact it's enshrined in our Constitution. Now, the Supreme Court did make some changes, did make some adjustments, and they disallow hate speech under the freedom of expression provisions. But when an investigator for the Human Rights Tribunal argues that freedom of expression doesn't exist in Canada, if you don't know any differently, that is going to impact on the argument that you may be making, or it will intimidate you into... Not saying what you think, not saying what you feel needs to be said, not saying what you know needs to be said, because it's an American concept. We'll come back with Tom Quiggin. More questions for Tom, and then we'll open the phone lines to you at 800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. Perhaps there's some people listening to the program who've had some issues with freedom of speech and freedom of expression being denied them. If you have, you can call now, 800-263-2428. If you have concerns about freedom of expression or freedom of speech being compromised, and we've seen it with speakers at universities where they've been shouted down or they've been Berkeley, there was a riot when Ben Shapiro was going to speak there. I think it was Ben Shapiro. And it cost thousands of dollars to put down the, the, uh, the riot. Freedom of expression, it is fundamental to our democratic rights. I was just startled when Tom Quiggin let me know that he'd been banned by YouTube and potentially banned for life. We'll come back. Talk some more. He's always up for a good debate. This is The Roy Green Show. I'm on Twitter at The Roy Green Show, and uh, you can download, listen back to anything that we air at RoyGreenShow.com in the podcast. I'll also post some of my thoughts there and add yours. Our number is 800-263-2428. Have you had an experience with 
freedom of expression, your freedom of expression, being throttled. Um, maybe with a an, with an online um, site, YouTube, Twitter, somebody reports you. Have you run into something where you've been at you know at work or at school and uh, you've had something that you felt was completely legitimate to talk about? It wasn't insulting to anybody, and even if it was, it wasn't so much that you were practicing hate speech, but you were told back off. Tom Quiggin uh, is with us. His book is Submission. Tom, what's the uh, message for the for the average person? What should the average person be concerned about? Well, I think I think really there's a, a steady movement against free speech, and traditionally, government was a defender of free speech, uh, and increasingly now we're starting to look at government as one of the offenders. Uh, in fact, they're tending to come after you uh, for these kinds of issues. So there's sort of an, almost an unholy alliance between, shall we say, a number of people in government, such as uh, Mr. Trudeau here, Angela Merkel, Prime Minister May, uh, Jean-Claude Juncker of the European Union, uh, former President Obama, folks like that, who are globalist, they are elitist, uh, they are pro-migration, they are anti-border, and they're anti-capitalist on average. Um, and they see that large parts of their ideology are starting to unwind on them. Uh, and rather than face this or try and come up with a different way of uh, debating these issues, it's easier for many of them just to silence it. And so lying, but lying beneath this also is a anti-European, anti-history kind of view of the world, uh, which is very anti-conservative, anti-Christian, anti-capitalist. And one of the most amazing examples just in the last couple of weeks is Facebook, shut down the Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ohio, uh, when they had a series of advertisements running on their Facebook page. And the Franciscan University was running ads to promote a master's degree in theology, of all things. They got shut down, and when, they, when the Franciscans complained and said, hey, why are you shutting our advertising site down, which we paid for, they were told you can't use images that contain excessively violent content. And it turns out the excessively violent content they were using is a picture of an 11th century crucifix. And when you look at this right. crucifix... Tom, Tom I'm going I'm, I'm to have to stop you, yeah. as you know. The time gets us. But uh, can you stick around a little longer? Yes. Okay, we'll come back with Tom Quicken, come back with you at 800-263-2428. Have you run into a situation where you've had uh, questions and issues about freedom of expression, freedom of speech, where you felt that perhaps your freedom of speech was being shut down unfairly, or you were just being nudged in a direction to take you away from the right to express yourself as you felt was appropriate. Freedom of speech. We'll come back. He may be opinionated, but he never jumps to conclusions. This is The Roy Green Show. We're back with Tom uh, Quiggin joining us on uh, The Green Show. The Quiggin Report was uh, going to be on YouTube, and it has been banned. You had, what was it, 44 seconds you said your your promo was? Yes, Roy, the trailer was 44 seconds long, okay, and uh, it was just a series 
of little three to five second cuts from uh, upcoming episodes. So what exactly were you getting at? What were you going to be talking about? What was the what were the points that could be taken from that promo that would upset the algorithms of uh, of, of of YouTube? I think the audio material there, plus the written material, as we mentioned, focused very heavily on freedom of speech, yeah. on issues of security, intelligence, extremism. Okay. And so what you told us earlier, that was in the promo. Yeah. So anybody who wants to do that, as you said, anybody who decides that this is something they want to pursue under the heading of freedom of speech, freedom of expression, could be banned for life. That's, in fact, what happened to us, and what surprised us the most was when we went back and appealed the first time and the second appeal, uh, we got essentially the same thing. And we think the first one was probably an algorithm, the second one we're not sure, but the third one we think there was an actual human being behind it. Uh, Hard to say. But at any rate, uh, the mere mention of freedom of expression or freedom of speech now is enough to trigger... um, some of the, uh, shall we say, more uh, politically correct folk out there. Um, it, it's worrisome. It's, it's very concerning. And I pointed out that um, one of the chief investigators of a human rights tribunal, and I'm sh- pretty sure it was Ontario. You may know more about this one than I do, Tom. But uh, when he was testifying during... Uh, the, the hearing, and I, I don't remember what the case specifically was, it was a number of years ago, but I will never forget hearing that the chief investigator, and I think he was one of the main investigators for the human rights tribunals in the province of Ontario, period, he said freedom of expression or freedom of speech does not exist in Canada. It's an American concept. <laughs> that is worrisome. Yeah, it's terribly worrisome that he would say that. Um, the actual term freedom of speech is very much sort of an American thing, First Amendment and all that. But it shouldn't be forgotten that the concept of freedom of expression, freedom of opinion, comes to us through the Renaissance, through the Reformation, through the Enlightenment, etc., etc. Here in Canada, our actual Charter of Rights, and I just looked this one up during the break, says we have freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression. So it doesn't actually say freedom of speech, but it does say freedom of opinion and expression, which, of course, is freedom of speech in anybody else's life. Where is this leading, do you think? Um, I think it's leading in much the same direction that the universities are going, that there are people who are cultural relativists, people who are the worshippers of political correctness, who believe that there is only one form of opinion allowed. And they actually break it down into what's acceptable within their world, and then everything else is an enemy. So for a lot of folks who have a conservative point of view, they'll say, well, there's many different points of view. And as a conservative, I'm a free speecher, so I support other people to speak on their opinions, even if I disagree with the opinion itself, because I recognize that freedom of speech and freedom of expression are fundamental natural rights, and this is what actually drives our society ahead. If we don't have freedom of speech, our society will go backwards. Um, but unfortunately, for these folks who are, who are essentially cultural Marxists, there's their opinion, and then there is evil and wrong, and or they'll describe it as racist or Nazi or whatever. And yeah, to me, it's very disturbing in the sense that it is part of this identitarian politics, uh, which is starting to drive more and more of our society. In other words, it's being used to divide people. Uh, so freedom of speech actually used to be something that everybody could agree upon, even if we didn't agree upon the things we were discussing. Well, it was fundamental to who we were and what we did. 
Yes, and it's worth remembering that it was through the Reformation, through the Renaissance, and through the Enlightenment that we actually got the idea that individuals could exist as individuals, and they could have agency. They could have agency because they had ideas and thoughts, and they could express them. And that's what drove the Western world to create technology, to create freedom, yeah. to create democracy, to create human we rights also fought. We also fought wars for the fundamentals of democracy. And again, one of the key fundamentals is the right to express yourself freely and, yeah. uh, and, and, and then to also be countered freely. And we move forward with that kind of understanding and that kind of arrangement. Yeah. But social media is, uh, is maybe changing the parameters, and clearly in your case it has. And I would imagine for other people as well, if you're uh, somebody who has run into an issue with uh, social media and uh, freedom of expression, 800-263-2428, um, I, 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 frankly, I worry about it a great deal because I'm also seeing it more, I'm seeing more controlled speech in, uh, in, in, in Parliament. And I was thinking about when Dr. Kelly Leach was talking about needing, uh, wanting to have a test for newcomers to Canada and uh, uh, Canadian values test. Now, I didn't see anything wrong with that. To me, that was just, uh, again, an, uh, an objective of somebody who was running for political office, and yet she was described as, you know, in the terms that you well know and most of our listeners are aware of. And the whole idea of her having the right to put forward this position was shouted down. Yeah, it's quite frightening to see that freedom of speech, freedom of expression is now not even seen as a value, it's seen as an actual problem. We have to be against it because it allows people agency. It allows individuals to think and move and to have ideas of their own. And folks who are cultural elitists, like Mr. Trudeau is a very good example, but he's just one of many, believe that there is only one form of opinion allowed and anything else needs to be shouted down immediately rather than debated. So hence this need to shut down discussion rather than discuss it. Well, here's an example for you. When one of the town hall meetings, when uh, the young woman brought up the issue of uh, mankind and the prime minister responded with people kind and was ridiculed for doing so, his chief advisor, uh, Gerald Butts, um, tweeted that uh, people, essentially, there were people who disagreed with the prime minister or who laughed at him uh, were Nazis. Yeah, I was quite shocked to see he actually used the word Nazi. He didn't just say, like, alt-right wing or neocon or something like that. Like, we were actually lumped in with everybody else to be called Nazis. And, I mean, this is part of, this is a signal, or in the intelligence world, we would say it's an indicator and warning of the thought process of uh, Gerard Butts and the people that are uh, working with Trudeau. In other words, you either agree with the Prime Minister or you're a Nazi. And that's our interpretation of free speech as far as they see it. Um, another indicator of this, of course, is this whole summer jobs program, uh, where the government will fund you for if your organization creates summer jobs for students. And now you have to sign a form that says you agree with their position on abortion or you don't get the money. And some people see that as a social justice issue, i.e. you're for abortion against or whatever. But the larger issue behind this, it's a freedom of speech issue. In other words, the people are being hammered on this are mostly church organizations, and I've actually run into a couple of them. And this is a way of the government using its power, in this case spending, taxpayers' money, to force people to either go along with the government on their view on a certain issue or get hammered because of it. 
Uh, and it sort of shows the sort of totalitarian nature that is behind the likes of Gerard Butts and people like that. Here's another thought, Roy, that we, we tend to forget uh, that rights are not solid, that they're not eternal. In fact, rights are something that is gained with a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of blood, and they can last one or two generations and then quite literally disappear. So a lot of people look at me and go, well, it's in the Constitution, I'm not worried about it, it's all good. And it's like, no, there are women alive today who were not persons when they were born. They didn't have the right to be seen as a person before the law. That only happened in the 1930s. So let's not forget that our rights are temporary. Mm -hmm. They can be removed at the whim of government, and it's something we have to work on continuously. And what folks like young Mr. Trudeau and others are aware of is you can grind these down very uh, sort of slowly in a way that you just take one little issue at a time. You don't actually just ban free mm -hmm. speech, but you start banning little individual parts of it. And very, very quickly, you can turn that into a situation where no one is allowed to speak out against the government of the day. And I'm fascinated by the fact we're having this conversation because if you told me five years ago I'd be on the radio with a guy talking about free speech and why, why I'm afraid of the government, I quite literally would have laughed at you. Uh, now I'm not laughing. Now I see this as a real problem. Five years ago, it would never have been an issue that would have been raised. I would never have considered it as an issue. I never would have thought of it. That's now, exactly what, now, when we, now, when we talk about the things that we're talking about, the explanations you're giving us, frankly, it was so sobering to hear you say that there are women who are alive today who were not considered to be persons when they were born constitutionally. They, they, they did not exist in that, within, that, uh, within that definition. I worry now, after this conversation, about the youngest of the young who are just at starting to attend school. What is it they're being told? What is being implanted into their fertile minds when they go home and their parents bring up a point or raise an issue? Does the child say, well, you're not supposed to talk about that. We learned that in school. And does the parent then back off because the parent doesn't want to get into an argument or into a, into a, uh, into a, into a fight with, uh, with school policy or, you know, you know how it goes? You just, you just talk about something else instead of taking it head on. And I, I worry about what's being implanted into fertile minds. Yes, well, this is an issue. I mean, if you look at what's going on, I mean, the province of Ontario is a wonderful example, but the rest of Canada is not much different, is that education used to be about basic learning, reading, writing, arithmetic, as we mm -hmm. used to say, mm -hmm. and then a certain amount of what we called civics, i.e. learning the uh, you know cities, provinces, the federal government, the Constitution, and all that sort of stuff. Right. But now, I mean, education has slid away desperately from being uh, the goal of education is no longer a liberal goal, which is to say to get people to think, to get them to be able to work in a society, get to be able to understand. It's now become a very servile sort of uh, situation where people are taught how to think about certain problems. Uh, they're not taught to think generally, and it's actually quite unnerving it to is. watch that process happen. Tom, I, I have to run, but I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. I'm, I hope you get this situation squared away with uh, YouTube, and if we can be of any help. Well, I'm well, standing, standing right beside still, you. Yeah, we're still on Patreon. We're still on SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I doubt we're ever going to reappear on YouTube, but we're going to keep plugging. So thanks right. again, Roy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Tom Quiggin on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. When we come back, 
the weather, and what it did to one intrepid reporter. And it ain't me. Stick around.